This is the Morning Press, a BrainIron.com production. Here's 11 minutes or so of news for today, Thursday, January 25th, 2024. Barring an intervention by Alabama Governor Kay Ivey or a last-minute stay from the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, Alabama will proceed with the planned execution of Kenneth Eugene Smith sometime between 12 a.m. Thursday and 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Smith was scheduled to be killed by the state by lethal injection and spent four hours bound to an execution gurney on November 17, 2022, but his executioners were unable to successfully attach an intravenous line to his body before the expiration of his death warrant over the course of a night that included a stay of execution from the 11th Circuit and a lifting of that stay by the U.S. Supreme Court. Smith is scheduled this time to be killed by nitrogen hypoxia, a method of execution that has never been tried on a human being before, in which he will be forced to breathe a high concentration of nitrogen through a gas mask until he has died of asphyxiation. It's not clear how much suffering Smith will endure as he is killed, as effects of lethal nitrogen poisoning have only been observed in the context of accidental exposure in industrial settings. The Supreme Court on Wednesday declined to stop the execution, and no reasons nor dissents were noted. If it proceeds, Smith's execution will be the first in the United States in 2024, following a year in which 24 people were executed by various states in 2023. A brief editorial aside. The government should not kill people. Killing people is as uncomplicated a moral wrong as exists in the universe and should not be done by anyone, least of all with deliberation and purpose and the authority of the state. Killing a person brutalizes those who carry out the act, bureaucrats and functionaries and sanctioned executioners all dehumanized for participating in the process. The application of the death penalty in this country is both so rare and so arbitrary as to render it utterly useless as a deterrent to crime. Its existence only serves to make extended prison sentences somehow palatable, even compassionate, and no coherent ethical framework of justice can justify its ongoing practice. The government, of us, for us, by us, should not kill people. Saudi Arabia, the Islamic theocratic state that carried out 172 executions in 2023, will open its first alcohol store in the coming weeks in the capital city of Riyadh. The shop will serve exclusively non-Muslim diplomats, as the country enforces strict prohibition laws against the drinking of alcohol by its Muslim population, a crime that is punishable by corporal lashing, deportation, or prison sentences. An 18-years-old high school student in Texas who has not been permitted to attend school since August 31st because the length of his hair violates the school district's dress code will go to court next month to determine if a new state law makes the punishment illegal. The Crown Act took effect this past September and bars employers and schools from penalizing people because of their hairstyles. The school district superintendent, Greg Poole, claimed in an advertisement in the Houston Chronicle that the district is not in violation of the law because they are punishing him for the length rather than the style of his hair. The boy, Daryl George, wears his hair in braided dreadlocks atop his head. Poole insists that, quote, being an American requires conformity, 
end quote, and that the policy is meant to maintain high standards for the students, and that any attempt to overrule the dress code amounts to, quote, lesser goals that ultimately harm kids, end quote. A brief editorial aside, ah, yes, that long-standing American virtue of state-mandated conformity. A report from the Department of Defense Office of Inspector General, published on January 8th, found that the White House medical unit's pharmacy operations functioned as a largely unregulated and unmonitored pill mill for the White House staff. The report says that from 2017 to 2019, the White House, quote, spent an estimated $46,500 for Ambien and an estimated $98,000 for Provigil, end quote, the first of which is a sleep medication and the second of which is the opposite of a sleep medication. Witnesses told investigators that the drugs would often be distributed to senior staff without proper prescriptions in Ziploc bags ahead of overseas travel. The Inspector General's report recommends more oversight for the White House medical unit moving forward. In even briefer news, the Federal Aviation Administration announced that Boeing 737 MAX 9 jets that have completed inspections will be permitted to return to service. The global fleet of 171 aircraft had been grounded by the FAA after a door plug blew out of the fuselage of an Alaska Airlines plane mid-flight over Portland on January 5th, and inspections have revealed that many of the planes suffered from a faulty door assembly on the production line, leaving many bolts not fully tightened, a problem that was somehow not discovered until the incident earlier this month. United and Alaska Airlines, which are the only two U.S. carriers that fly the MAX 9, say they will begin returning the cleared planes to commercial service through the weekend. It's not an all-clear for Boeing, however. An ongoing investigation by the FAA will keep production of new 737s at current levels, delaying a planned production expansion, a pause that will have inevitable negative downstream effects for the entire industry, from parts suppliers to the airlines currently awaiting delivery of new aircraft. In a call with market analysts on Wednesday, Elon Musk called for tariffs and trade barriers to be established to keep Chinese companies from flooding Western markets with cheap electric vehicles, once again proving adept and persuasive at his one real job, which is convincing the government to make it easier and more profitable for him to sell cars. And in sports, Jim Harbaugh, who coached the Michigan Wolverines to a national title this past season, despite serving two three-game suspensions due to apparent NCAA rules violations under his watch, has left the college ranks and accepted the head coaching position with the Los Angeles Chargers. Harbaugh last coached in the NFL from 2011 to 2014, a successful four-season run in which he led the San Francisco 49ers to conference championship appearances in each of his first three seasons, including an appearance in the Super Bowl at the conclusion of the 2012 season. On this day in history, January 25, 2004, the Mars Exploration Rover Opportunity landed on Mars three weeks after its twin rover, Spirit, did the same. The rovers were designed to survive on the surface for 90 souls, or Mars days, but Opportunity operated for more than 14 years, far exceeding expectations. Also on this day, in the year 
844, Pope Gregory IV died, clearing the way for the common people of Rome to declare Pope John VIII as his successor. The aristocracy was not pleased with this result, as John was of no known aristocratic bloodline, and instead enthroned Pope Sergius II, who was of noble birth. Pope John's reign lasted less than a day, and you can tell he wasn't the legitimate pope because he is now referred to as anti-pope John VIII, which is a convention that the morning press believes should be spread to all sorts of other domains in life, well beyond the current limits of the papacy and the Christ. Also on this day, happy 45th birthday to Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky. Happy 42nd birthday to singer Alicia Keys, and a happy 142nd birthday to Virginia Woolf, pioneer of stream-of-consciousness writing in the modern novel, who died in 1941. Now, here's a look at the weather. There's a story that's made the rounds this week, published by Politico. There's a link in the transcript at brainiron.substack.com if you'd like to read it which is a profile of a New Hampshire man who has decided to support former President Donald Trump again this year. Ted Johnson is 58 years old, was in the Army for 22 years, retired as a lieutenant colonel, has three grown adult sons from his first marriage, and now works from home, remarried, as a senior project manager for an IT company. He lives in a nice house, the value of which has increased by 50% since he bought it four years ago. He voted for Obama twice and then Trump twice. Judging by what he tells his journalist interlocutor, the worst thing about his current life is that he no longer has a relationship with his older brother, in no small part because of a disagreement about Donald Trump. Ted Johnson has, by all outward appearances, a very good life. And he looks around at that very good life and insists, quote, Our system needs to be broken, and Trump is the man to do it. End quote. Nikki Haley's main line of argument against Donald Trump in the last couple of weeks is that, quote, chaos follows him. I voted for Donald Trump twice. I was proud to serve America in his administration. But rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. Y'all know I'm right. Chaos follows him. And we can't have a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. I don't know why Ted Johnson thinks that the system that allowed him to create a life of unthinkable plenty for himself needs to be broken. I don't know how he can possibly think that whatever comes next after the system is broken will be better for him. Probably, he thinks he got what he got through hard work and native intelligence, that no system helped him along the way, that the system he's referring to is somewhere else, benefiting all the wrong people, keeping all the right people down. He's just one example among countless. People of every political persuasion say everything is broken, except for right here. The education system is awful. The teachers are commies or groomers, or instead, indoctrinating each generation to repeat the sins of the past. But my kids' schools and teachers are wonderful. Congress is broken and politicians are all out of touch, but my congressperson gets my vote. 
The world is going to hell in a handbasket, but I live in a dry, warm house with access to ceaseless entertainment and have no problem getting more than enough food and drink and live more or less free from any physical threat to my person. I don't think this is a selfless argument that the Ted Johnsons of the world are making, that they want to break the system so that everyone else can have it as good as they do. If it is, I think it's a bit misguided anyway. The point is, when Nikki Haley insists that chaos follows Trump, like it's a reason not to vote for him, she clearly doesn't understand that it's just the opposite. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Our culture has somehow cultivated a sense, in some of the most well-off, well-fed, well-educated parts of the planet, that everything must be burned to the ground. The world really does seem like it's coming apart at the seams to a lot of people, even as their own personal material existence is safely guaranteed. It's a startling contradiction to encounter so many people who have been jokerfied by something that must be lacking in the culture, despite all that it provides for them. Of course, the world is also a horror show. Nearly a billion people subsist on just a couple of dollars a day. The horrors of war in Ukraine and Israel and Palestine and throughout the Middle East are delivered in full-color high definition to the magical supercomputers in our pockets. The geopolitical nightmare brewing in the Far East threatens to upend the global order, and just walking around any city or decent-sized town in this country will reveal the failures of our social safety net to provide basic services to those most in need. The Ted Johnsons and the chanting idiots on college campuses aren't exactly wrong, either. But more chaos, more brokenness, more Trump, or the end of capitalism? These are the answers? Maybe it's deeper than rationality can touch, beyond the reasonable and the logical. Maybe it's a bone-deep reactionary instinct, born out of our heightened evolutionary inheritance of socialization and cooperation, that our brains encounter the inequalities and injustices and fundamental unfairness of the world, the violence inherent to the system, and can't help but demand that something radical be done. Maybe the natural and good heart-rending compassion of which we humans are capable, and also some of us, even helpless to stop feeling, is ill-suited for the planetary scale, and we have built a system that has expanded the garden to which we are compelled to attend beyond any reasonable scale. Where once we might have simply retreated to our own backyard and cultivated that garden, done the work because the work was good and because it made things both psychologically and spiritually and materially better for ourselves and for those around us. The connected information age has shown us how limited is the reach of cultivating that garden, how little a difference it makes when the larger world is constantly shouting at you from your pocket. Eight billion people demanding of your attention. Maybe the Ted Johnsons of the world are just self-important jerks, unaware of how good they have it, ignorant of how bad things could get. But maybe also the fact that there are so many like him, not that they all share his politics, but his sense that something is deeply wrong. Maybe they're on to something. They're just bad at identifying what the real problem is. The problem is deeper and harder than all that.
We have created a world that insists that cultivating your garden is not enough, that we must instead each attend to the whole world. But we can't. It is utterly beyond our capability, because chaos follows us. Rightly or wrongly, when we pick up and leave our little gardens, chaos follows us. That's the weather from here. How's it look out your window? The Morning Press is a production of the BrainIron.com multinational media empire. Please direct comments and complaints to brainironpodcast at gmail.com. For a transcript of today's episode and links to the stories referenced, find The Morning Press at brainiron.substack.com, where, if you would like to support this and the other podcasting and blogging endeavors of the brainiron.com media empire, you can also become a paying subscriber. If you can think of anyone else who might enjoy whatever it is we're up to around here, please consider sharing. Thanks, and barring the sudden onset of the inevitable, we'll talk to you tomorrow. The proceeding was created with 100% human content.